a defensive playoff-style struggle at the Garden. Vanacek into double digits, and the Leafs take down the Oilers again. Good morning. Today is Thursday, March 4th. Welcome to Caps This Morning here on Caps Radio 24-7. John Walton and Ben Raby with you. It is a day of practice today in Boston. The Capitals are winners of four in a row after a 2-1 shootout takedown of the Bruins last night. And Ben, this was a game that started a little sleepy and a little slow, at least in terms of offensive chances. Peter Laviolette said after the game, you play the game that you're dealt. And this for Washington, you got to find different ways to win on any given night. They found a way to win a tight one. They had just enough offense and now points in six straight and winners of four in a row. Scoring chances may be limited for good chunks of the game, but I thought John throughout, and I know at times maybe certain elements of the game felt a little sleepy. I thought there was still an intensity. I thought there was a physicality to it. Felt that throughout the game. Thought this was two competitive teams that obviously were both clamping down, but I thought, and, and the players suggested the same post game, TJ Oshie, Kuznetsov, Dylan, all speaking in the media post game that it had a, a little bit of that playoff feel. And I feel like that expression gets thrown out a lot this year just because of the way the schedule plays out. All right, you're in a city for multiple days. You're seeing the same team multiple times in a row. So it's the, the mind quickly says, oh, okay, that reminds us of playoffs. But it, the, the way this game was played, the style of play from both teams, again, the physicality, the post-whistle scrums, this was a heavy hockey game between two heavy teams. It's a big boy hockey element to this game. And, and I just think that the way the game was played had a little bit of a playoff feel and Brendan Dillon even suggesting post game himself, the very same. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was, it was definitely physical. I think right from the first shift of the game to right till the end of it, a uh, really tight checking game. Um, not many chances either way. And, uh, it, it felt like a playoff game to be honest. And, and I think for us to be able to, to have confidence in, in getting the two points there and, definitely a good confidence booster for us we know how good of a team they are we respect how good of a team they are but um for us definitely I thought we we really raised our game tonight and had a little bit of that playoff feel in the sense too that it was a matter of you were wondering which team would would make the mistake or a big mistake or two could ultimately be the difference in the game and sure enough both goals the only two goals scored in the third period both coming the result of turnovers and I just thought it was, it was a you know for a game that had limited scoring opportunities the first 40 minutes I thought ultimately this proved to be uh, a pretty intense uh, game that uh, certainly kept our attention through 65 minutes. It was a come from behind win. Lars Eller needing a goal in the third period to tie it. Jacob Brana gets the game winner in the shootout and beat Tech Vanacek. Ten wins on the season, leading the league in appearances at this point. For VTech, Ben, he's your number one, and I can't imagine that he won't play on Friday. The way that this is playing out, he gives you a chance to win every single night, and I think he's got to play on Friday against the Bruins and try and do it again. And this this last little stretch, certainly, as the team has improved, certainly VTech Vanacek has, and they go hand-in-hand, certainly a lot of those elements, but... I'll say, John, when Vanacek was collecting points and, and wins early in the year, and he had big save totals, but if you recall, they were winning a lot of games where he was allowing three goals, and we were talking about the rebound control. I don't remember the rebound controls coming up as, as much of an issue over this last little bit. He, he seems to be getting stronger and more confident, and the numbers certainly suggest that. Vanacek with the win last night, improving to 5-1-1. One, and one. In his last seven starts, that dates back to February 15th. The goals against average under two 
in those seven games, a save percentage north of 930. And against Boston last night, maybe he wasn't tested a whole lot in terms of the volume. But again, in the third period, when the Bruins had their most offensive pressure and, and the most scoring chances from in close, uh, Vanacek was at his best in the third period, helping at least ensure the Capitals would get at least one point before showing himself very well as it turned out in the shootout. Three for three there to ultimately secure both points in the standings. But uh, you, you're right, a, a terrific showing from Vanacek in a game solo scoring. He had to be on his game tonight again, even though not tested a whole lot, just coming up big uh, when it mattered most late in the third period, especially. Yeah, and stopping Pasternak in the shootout certainly doesn't hurt either. The legend of Vitek Vanacek continues here in this season. What a year. He's the story coming up in the middle of the season, uh, just about halfway here once the Caps get through this road stretch uh, with only one home game mixed in. you got the Devils uh, coming up next Tuesday, three more after that, and then you're basically going to be halfway home. I wanted to ask you something about what Evgeny Kuznetsov said after the game last night and something you brought up on Caps postgame about face-offs and Michael Pekka and his influence on the organization. Uh, the longtime Buffalo Sabre joining kind of midstream and catching a moving train here. Uh, but given something that Kuzi said after the game last night and what this team has done defensively since his arrival, I'm starting to think it's not a coincidence. Yeah, Michael Pekka, when we saw that hire last month and the official title is development coach. And we're led to believe, and he is doing a lot of work, is Michael Pecco with the taxi squad players who remain on the ice uh, long after the regulars get off after a typical morning skater practice. He's working with those guys. But what maybe we didn't fully acknowledge at the time of the hiring was that he would be doing and has been doing quite a bit of work with the, the Capitals quartet of primary centers, talking about Backstrom and Kuznetsov and Eller and Dowd and working with them uh, specifically on face-offs. And this is an area which for years, and you could debate how valuable that statistic is, the face-offs and the Capitals for years, it's been an area that uh, they have not been very good at. And, and that might be putting generously, John. Uh, it's an area the Capitals have struggled with for several seasons. And Kuznetsov, uh, you know, tops that list as far as having issues in the face-off dot. And Michael Pekka has worked with all four of them over the past few weeks. It's not a very large sample size, but if you look at the past month or so, the Capitals are improving in that area. And they, they showed themselves very well, most recently uh, over the weekend in New Jersey. And then last night against uh, the Boston Bruins again, and Evgeny Kuznetsov acknowledging he hasn't had much instruction or coaching in, in, in that regard. And I thought that was, I don't know how accurate that is, John, but we'll take Kuznetsov at his word. I'm sure there has been some work done organizationally over the past few years, but I'm, I'm, I'm sure what he meant to say was that not to this extent, maybe not with someone as experienced as Michael Pekka, who was a face-off specialist in his career and a terrific two-way centerman, a two-time Selkie Trophy winner is the best defensive forward. And look, if, if Pekka can, you know, open the eyes of, of, of the capital centerman and provide some maybe different aspects of the game to, to improve on, um, you know, certainly it's, it's an area the Capitals could be better at. And, and Peter Laviolette acknowledging that uh, the possession game and the difference between the face-off wins, especially depending on what zone you're in, there's tremendous value in that. And, uh, you know, again, uh, a positive development for the Capitals here since they hired Michael Peck. Again, I'm not sure, John, if it was a primary, um, you know, hope when they brought him in or if this is just sort of something that's developed over the past few weeks, because when he was hired, it wasn't necessarily clear that he would be working to this extent with uh, so many regulars on the regular roster. 
On the subject of centermen, I feel like Nick Dowd is living his best life right now. I think back to a scoring chance that he had last night in the second period. He, Carl Haglund, and Garnet Hathaway have gone from a fourth line that didn't score very much and you didn't see a lot of under Todd Reardon to being some lifeblood of this organization, quite frankly. Whenever there is a, a task that needs to be tackled defensively, they're right there. This resurgence of defensive hockey that we've seen here over the last, say, half dozen games or so and the goals against coming down. I feel like as far as the forwards are concerned, that these guys are right in the middle of it. Dowd centers that line. That scoring chance that he had last night, I love just dancing out of the corner. And I think here's a guy who has been basically flushed out of a couple of organizations. Nobody really wanted him when he got here. And here he is on a team that's leading the Mass Mutual East Division. And he and his line mates are such a huge part of this. I think it is not obviously the main story of what's going on here, but it is a nice story of what's going on here. And an important story of what's going on here is what a guy like Nick Dowd means to this team. And who does that remind you of? Who was Nick Dowd brought in to not necessarily replace? They're not apples to apples. I think a guy in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. And when Jay Beagle left, that's it's such a tough role to fill, but how valuable did Jay Beagle ultimately become over the years and especially during the Barry Trotz administration and on that run in 2018, just a guy who, to your point, you could put out over the boards to win a key faceoff. Nick Dowd against Boston last night, winning nine of 12 in the faceoff circle, a guy you could trust to take so many draws in the defensive zone, a guy you could put in those maybe, uh, you know, situations that not everyone is lining up to, to take those tasks on. And along with Carl Haglin and Garnet Hathaway, so consistent, those three uh, throughout this season, whereas so many other lines have been fluid throughout the regular season, a trio that could be trusted, a trio that has embraced the quote-unquote shutdown role since the start of the year. They've been used in different situations and shown a little bit of a knack for, for some offensive flair as well from time to time and, and a great scoring chance last night, to your point. But yeah, you, you got to have the players like that. You got to have those contributions down the depth chart. And I mean, what a, you know, what, what, what a, what a four, you know, the, again, that quartet of centermen that the Capitals have, uh, you can talk about, you know, teams that make deep postseason runs. We saw in 2018, you have to have that depth down the middle. And certainly what the Capitals have one through four, it's probably 25 plus teams that would uh, sign up, uh, if not more for, for what the Capitals have and nicked out a, a key cog, certainly in that, rotation one of the things that i remember about jay beagle the most that time he said all i want to be is a third line center right? and that's not <laughs> something that usually comes out of the lips of people uh but that's the kind of guy that jay was and uh, i certainly miss that guy in the locker room uh, all right a little bit of off ice news before we get to some nhl things bob mckenzie making a little bit of news on the national broadcast last night at first intermission last night on nbc saying that the contract negotiations with Alex Ovechkin have been tabled for now. Uh, they are not going to be talking. Brian McClellan and Alex Ovechkin, he is representing himself. Uh, they are done talking for now. Uh, this is not a problem necessarily. This is just a, a moment in the process. They could very well pick things up maybe as soon as April. Uh, and as we get close to the season, Alex has said there is no rush on these things. Uh, but a little bit of off-ice news, certainly uh, getting down to the final days of a 13-year contract 
It will be something that is addressed before this team hits the fall. I don't think there's any way he's not going to be a Washington Capitol in the fall. He's never going to play for another team. But there are some financial considerations, Ben, that they're going to put aside for now. Complicated. I agree with you. He'll, one would think he'll, he'll, he'll be back in a Capitals uniform for multiple years and they'll ultimately get it done. But it's not a good time to be an unrestricted free agent in any sport, but certainly in the NHL with what we anticipate to be a flat salary cap here for a number of years. Uh, without going into too much detail, there's all kinds of escrow issues that the players are dealing with right now as well. He'll be fine. He's very fine financially, Alex Ovechkin, but at the end of the day, you know, good for him to, to seek what he believes he's owed and, and deserves. And again, there's decisions that the Capitals have to keep in mind as well. You give Alex Ovechkin X amount of dollars. Well, how much do you have left for other contracts that need to be negotiated in the off season? So I don't envy general manager, Brian McClellan. And while we do anticipate the, the, the deal to get done, it's just uh it's just a difficult, difficult time across all sports for, for free agents to, to be in this type of position. You just have to look at Braden Holpe, John, just, just last summer. It's a smaller scale, I realize. But Holpe last summer, you know, he, he took what Vancouver offered him and he's doing well financially. But to be honest, it's probably not what the market would have necessarily offered him years ago. And to that point, good on Nicholas Backstrom for having signed his extension in January of last year, right before uh, the whole world and the whole salary cap landscape all changed. Yeah, and uh, Sergey Bobrovsky just called, and he said, uh, yeah, yeah, he yeah. a year ago, so yeah. there's that. Uh, switching gears to uh, the NHL, let's talk a little bit about the Toronto Maple Leafs, your number one team right now in the National Hockey League, and cleaning up in Edmonton. Are they the top team in the league, Ben, or are they just in the Canadian division, and that's a good place to be because there's some not-so-good teams over there? Golly, they are among the top teams. Can we say that? I think that the company line with the Toronto Maple Leafs has to be let's see what they do in May and June and see if they could play their way into July for the Stanley Cup final I mean in all seriousness John it reminds me a lot of the Washington Capitals early on in the Ovechkin era they were a regular playoff team they put up big numbers in the regular season they had a whole lot of high-end young talent you wondered at times did they have enough sandpaper? Did they have enough grit? Were they defensively sound enough, physical enough for a potential deep postseason run? They're a very easy watch, the Toronto Maple Leafs have been for years. But it's time that they take that next step. And whether they win the North Division in the regular season or finish in third place in the North Division. And right now they're certainly well positioned to, to run away with that division title. I think they have up to a they have 10 point lead now uh, as of Thursday morning. But I think it, it wake me up in May, wake me up in June, show me what they're doing come postseason time. I think that's how they'll ultimately be evaluated. In the meantime, a very easy watch. They have been, and boy, oh boy, did they give the Oilers the business 13 to one outscoring them in a three game series with three different starting goalies and having played the first two games in that series without Austin Matthews. They, they seem to be a well-oiled machine right now. The Maple Leafs. Yeah, they are. And last night, giving it to them six to one, the final. And I know we've got a little bit of audio to play about that. But uh, in the game last night, Toronto rolls again. And the Edmonton Oilers, I just can't believe that you can have Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl and score one goal in three games. Receives a pass from Morgan Riley. Right side, Nylander loads up, wait, shoots and scores. 5-1 Toronto. Nylander again. His third consecutive game with a goal against the Oilers. His fourth game overall with a goal 
And he's got five over that stretch, 10 on the year. Man, that was Jack Michaels with the call last night on the Oilers radio network en route to that eventual 6-1 win for the Maple Leafs. And to your point, they shut down the Edmonton Oilers for, for three games in a row. Connor McDavid, first time all season. First time all season, he had been held without a point in two consecutive games. You can now make it three consecutive games without a point for Connor McDavid, thanks to the Toronto Maple Leafs. And Leon Dreisaitl over that same stretch limited to just one assist. And for that high power Edmonton Oilers, for all the offense that's available, uh, readily available often in the North Division, the Toronto Maple Leafs with, uh, with a big message uh, across that division, across that country, for the uh, defensive effort that they came through again with uh, three different starting goalies, as it turns out, in that series. I just hope they have a parade route plan, Ben. I guess we'll find out. Can I just uh, say Toronto. quickly, John, you know this. My father-in-law is a, 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 normally a partial season ticket holder for, for the Maple Leafs. Obviously, this year is much different up there. He, he is stereotypical, waiting since 1967. Every summer, it's the best off season. They're going to do it this year, Benny. This is the year, I'm telling you. And the text messages have been uh, nonstop over the past few weeks. I, I guess he has reason now, but again... Wake me up in, in springtime. Show me what they're made of when uh, when it gets going for real. Indeed. Our resident Canadian, Ben Raby, weighing in on that. Toronto, the top team in the league with the Capitals. You know what? They're right there, too. Oh, by the way, in that Toronto game last night, Travis Boyd, two assists for the Leafs. Good for Travis in that one. Caps will practice today in Boston. They will play Friday at 7 o'clock. Our coverage begins, as always, right here on Caps Radio 24-7 with Ben Raby at 4 o'clock with Caps pregame. Have a great Thursday, everybody, and thanks for tuning in to Caps This Morning.